This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 116, we chat with users from Zebex about how they use ANSYS to drive the design of their electric vehicle repower kits and look at the news and events in the world of ANSYS. Welcome to our little podcast. My name is Eric Miller, and I'm one of the owners here at PADT. It's the end of March here in Phoenix, and the western U.S. has had one of the wettest years on record. And that means that there is actual water running down the river that is usually a large dirt ditch running east to west across Phoenix. And the best part is the desert is blooming and is truly breathtaking. If such things interest you, uh, put AZ Central, one word, 2023 wildflowers into your favorite search engine and check out the pics from an article in azcentral.com. That's our local newspaper turned into a website um, that people have taken of the Mexican poppies and other things that are just blooming across the state. It's pretty, pretty beautiful. Um, Neat stuff. Anyway, (laughs) we're here to talk about ANSYS. Uh, Before we get started, I wanted to share that we've been learning more about the latest ANSYS acquisition, CNR Technologies, and and their thermal desktop family of products. Um, Cinda Fluent is the solver underneath. And, you know, it's pretty cool the more we learn. Uh, We've we've known about them for several decades, Um, but... Um, getting to know them a little bit better after the acquisition uh, has been really good. And to be honest, we haven't really looked at the code for, for maybe a couple decades. So uh, really closely. So um, it's really good stuff. Um, we'll definitely share more when the time is right. But if you do thermal simulation on spacecraft or any complex large system, um, check it out. Uh, don't wait. Um, it's, it's something you should be, if you're not already using it, you should be looking at now. Uh, the more engineers learn about it, the more they like it. So we'll talk about that in an upcoming podcast. But uh, for now, I just wanted to let people know. And uh, before we get into our interview, I wanted to mention that downloads are up on the podcast. So this once a month format seems to be preferred rather than uh, twice a month. And we like the pace as well. (laughs) So we'll keep it this way. Uh, We have over 38,500 downloads of the podcast. That's a 115 episodes that that goes over. So um, one thing I did look up while I was poking around in there was what's the average? So the average for podcasts is 140 downloads in the 30 days after it was published. And we're averaging in in the recent uh, episodes uh, uh, 163 downloads in 30 days. So I'm happy to say that all things ANSYS is above average. So uh, we're nowhere near, I think it was Joe Rogan's the whatever you call, I don't really consider that a podcast. It's really a, a show um, is, is way up there in the hundreds of thousands. But uh, um, to, to make really good money, you got to be um, like 10,000 or bigger and you know, it's top 5% or something like that. So, so we're nowhere near any of those, but for the world of ANSYS, we're the uh, only longstanding podcast. So we're happy with our un- average of 163 and we'll, we'll keep it that way for a time. But please do share with others about the podcast if you like it. And uh, don't forget to subscribe if you stumbled upon us through a search engine and want to keep up with this, what's going on in the world of ANSYS. And that brings us to today's interview. Uh, we're having uh, interviews are my favorite kind of um, um, 
interviews with customers are my favorite kind of interview that we do. And um, we're going to talk with uh, two ANSYS users. Uh, Nitin Shushan, Shuhan and Chris Dobbs are from a company called Zevex. And the company's only been around for three years, but it's achieved some amazing things. And I will let them explain it to you, what they do and how they use ANSYS. And you'll see why I get so jazzed when... Uh, I learn how they're doing things. Welcome to our discussion today. We are fortunate enough to be joined uh, not only by our very own Doug Otis from Colorado, but also one of our favorite customers, uh, Zebex, has agreed to come on and talk a little bit about how they're using simulation with their company. And uh, I am joined by, and my notes are not 100% uh, in front of me, so I apologize, by Chris Hobbs, uh, Chris Dobbs, and Nitin Shohan uh, from Zevex. Hi, guys. Hey, how you doing? Good. Welcome. So let's get started with a real basic of, why don't one of you tell us what Zevex is and what you guys do? Yeah, so uh, Zevex uh, is a worldwide leader in delivering intelligent EV systems powering commercial uh, class two vehicles and all the way through class five vehicles, uh, power takeoffs, refrigerated trailers, and other uh, EV infrastructure such as charging stations. So we do we do quite a bit here. That is quite a bit. And how old's the company now? We are coming up on three years, or just hit three years, actually last week. Wow. You guys have done a lot in three years. Uh, it's it's one of the reasons why they're one of our favorite customers is because um, they you guys get stuff done. <laughs> it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, um, yeah, we're we're always busy. <laughs> so let's talk about yourselves, uh, Nitin. Why don't you start off? Let us let us know you know what your background is, how you got into simulation, and what you do at Zebex. So. So my background is I have, a, I have a master's in mechanical engineering, and that's where I first started using Ansys as a product for my some projects, you know, some other projects which I did. Like I used mechanical mostly and some bit of, you know, but that project was mostly like a lot of masters was how actually those equations work rather than Great. the application of it. But then, yeah, I used Ansys very intensively over here at Zabex, starting with battery simulations. So Zevex started doing battery simulations, had a, a whole project about making modules, battery packs and other stuff. So we went down to the cell level simulations using battery models and other stuff in Fluent. So that's how we started. And then later on, we did do mechanical simulations. And then we still use mechanical and Fluent, but Fluent is mostly used for cooling plates. So we make our own battery packs over here at Zevex. So we designed a cooling place for those. So that's where most of our like, fluid is used, but mechanical is used for now for structural simulations, for vibrations, and even like some like thermal simulations. Mm -hmm. So those kind of simulations we do here at Zevex for all our like products, whatever we put in our vehicles, we try and do, you know, try to simulate, try to simulate those to meet some standards of, you know, like vibration standards and some other stuff. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, and and one kind of subtle point before we get hear from Chris that that I want to make sure that everybody understands is, and correct me if I'm wrong, what you guys are often doing is retrofitting your powertrain, batteries, motor, drive shaft, all that stuff, into an existing vehicle, right? So you 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 don't necessarily know what kind of vehicles these are going to go into all the time, right? 
Yeah, correct. So right now, yeah, the the main thing we do is we repower um, mm -hmm. existing vehicles with our um, EV system, mm -hmm. you know, slash kit. So great. Yeah, great. Class two vehicles all the way up to class five. Right, right. So so that's a little bit challenging. <laughs> not, not, not always knowing what the environment is. Um, so, Chris, why don't you tell us about yourself? Yeah, I am the uh, director of mechanical engineering here at Zevex. Um, I do just about of everything. Nick Nitten is our um, subject matter expert for the simulation side. Um, but yeah, we we do it, you know, for all our mechanical structures, vibrations, um, you know, stress strain, deformation. Um, it's a it's a useful tool. Very, very cool. Yeah, I'm, gl I'm glad to hear that. So uh, you already talked about what you guys are using ANSYS for mostly. So one of the questions I always like to ask is, uh, what is your favorite ANSYS product feature? So thinking about, you know, all the different things you guys do, what's the what's the thing you like most about uh, a specific feature in ANSYS? Can I add it? Can I add to that question, Eric? Yeah, please, Doug. I, I also want to know how long it took you to find it. Because <laughs> that, that, that's always kind of a fun, funny one to me, where it's like you know some of the awesome tools. Like I didn't realize they were there until you know I'd been <laughs> using it. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. If we can put mm -hmm. put a little spice on that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. One of the cool features is like I like after you know, so I'm like a like I try to use like design modeler, but then when I found out Space Claim, so Space mm -hmm. Claim I didn't even realize that it's a, such a powerful CAD software. So that's really like really like it can handle pretty much all kinds of files, like from like mesh files to CAD files to you know everything, and then it can manipulate it very easily. So that was one of like you know like you can just manipulate geometry easily. That was one of my biggest things. And then obviously one other feature is like I like workbench a lot. Like you can do everything in one space, you know, till the whole like system level, you know, modeling, if you want to say is like I like workbench, just how you can put every component system in there at once. So do you manipulate the STL, like you said, scan data? I don't know if you're working with STLs or are you doing reverse engineering or are you, I'm kind of curious, yeah. all the things that you're you're manipulating within space. Yeah, we did, we did do it. And like, uh, that's not a, like now it's not a, like a, like a flow. It's not like that anymore, but I did try doing that for a lot of, you know, like uh, let's say like scanned files. So I did try doing that, you know, just seeing like, hey, can we import an OBJ file in this? Because a lot of other CAD softwares don't really allow the size, like the mesh size, the higher mesh sizes. But apparently, like Ansys allowed it. And then, so just that, and then like adding small features, like sometimes we don't even model like welds in a CAD software, but it's like, oh yeah, we can easily model a weld in space claim, and I wouldn't really do it. And from like small stuff like extracting, you know, volumes. That's like such a it's like less takes less than two seconds to extract a volume. Like we we have completely stopped doing like three, four CAD steps in our, you know, and original CAD software. We just do it directly in space claim. And like, yeah, that's very easy to do in space claim than any other software. I love how like you almost feel guilty that it's too easy. <laughs> exactly. It should that, be more painful. It should be more yeah. painful sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that, that transition from design modeler to space claim is usually um, once you realize that, that the tree has been holding you back um, uh, as far as you know uh, manipulating stuff. It's always a pretty kind of massive speed up uh, mm -hmm. that, that you can see. So 
always interesting to hear what, what people are manipulating now. For sure, for sure. How about you, um, um, uh, uh, Chris, what's your um, favorite feature there on the ANSYS side of things? Yeah, uh, Mitten is much more intimate with the the features, mm -hmm. you know, that it mm -hmm. uses there. But um, no, he he's shown me exactly what he was talking about how to extract mm -hmm. the volumes. I, that was a that was a very interesting one that we used recently. Um, yeah, I, I mainly come over and check out Mitten's great work when, when he finds something <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, that's a really good question to ask because you're you're almost the customer of the simulation, right? So so do you do you find that the way you get information from ANSYS is useful to the whole design team and design process? Is there is there things you like about what you get out of ANSYS and things you'd like different? Yeah, no, I it's very useful. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, one of the most recent ones we did was our, our cooling plate. You know, we went through a bunch of design iterations for different flow paths and even, you know, something as simple as setting your scale, you know, the same so you can see an apples to apples comparison of, you know, temperature across different, mm. um, you know, flow paths that you've you've come up with, um, you know, little things like that are extremely useful. Yeah, that's that's really a good point. And cooling, cooling plates are one of those things that uh, it seems simple, but it, it's not. <laughs> yeah, and you can you can change, you know, minor things here and there and you get, you know, ANSYS, you know, shows the different velocities around you know different radiuses or you know you do a um, a fin in a different location and you can see the velocities change and um it's all yeah very very powerful things good 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 yeah um so it does sound like you guys are driving your design with simulation um is is that i mean in your in your workflow do you do you use a simulation to kind of help decide the design are you fixing problems as they come up or do you wait for like a real big problem before you throw a simulation at it where does it fit in your process yeah we we 100 use it on on the design side um I, I think it really has its place all across you know engineering whether it's um you know prototyping initial design um and then all the way through you know continued engineering if mm -hmm. something happened in the field you know years you know down the road if there's things that you can, you know, you get that feedback and you always want to try to close the loop um, and the simulation is def definitely helps us do that. Good, good, good. That's good to hear. Um, so one of the questions I like to ask, uh, and this is to either of you, but probably Nitin because you're using it every day, day in, day out, is ANSYS developers do listen to this podcast. So if there was uh, one feature or capability you'd like to add to the ANSYS suite, what would that feature capability be? One thing which I really liked was, I don't know how much this has to do with how the computation is happening, but so we did use like discovery. So ANSYS discovery mm -hmm. in the early stages of discovery. And mm -hmm. I like the feature that it is, this discovery is able to use a wider range of graphic cards for processing. Now I know mm -hmm. that ANSYS in general does not like to use graphic cards for you know the parallel processing and stuff but mm -hmm. discovery was able to so that's mm -hmm. something you know it's always like a thing for ansys is like how it needs those bulky bulky you know systems to run all these simulations on mm -hmm. but you know just to be able to widen the scope just to be able to access like a lot of other people you know everybody should be so like we have eight licenses over here right uh -huh. but and we have you know eight in our team but not everybody is you know using it per se right so it's one of those things, you know, that 
if it becomes more accessible, if it's not, you know, such a scaredy factor to everybody, oh, hey, this is like a world which we don't want to really want to go in kind of, you know, <laughs> just, I feel on a wider range. I don't think it's a feature I've said, but mm. it's just, no, I think it's on yeah. a wider range. Yeah, and I do think they're working on that. I, I, I know that they're working on supporting other GPUs um, besides the NVIDIA family and um, also just making it in more solvers. So uh, stay tuned for that. That's a good, that is a good one because it's a lot of horsepower that's sitting there on your CP, on your computer that you want to use. I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, the, the next thing I'd really like to hear from you guys is a, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but maybe going more in depth is a, a story of how you've used simulation to, to really make a difference in your product. I know um, the last time I, I uh, met with your senior management, they were really, really happy about some of the solutions that they got out of ANSYS um, to help, help get their product to market faster, but they weren't their business people say so weren't really clear on what it was. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you guys, you know, how, how has it really helped you get the market faster or better and things like that? Any specific examples you can share? So like um, in that question, I would bring up two products actually. Mm -hmm. So which are both, you know, ground up. So one is obviously a battery pack in general, mm -hmm. which we make mm -hmm. and we are, which we are really proud of. So a lot of stuff inside the battery pack, like all the structure itself, you know, bus bars, cooling place, all of those we have simulated, all mm -hmm. of those and everything around those. So that really helped us. So in, in like situations now where, you know, EV market, especially in this, you know, this whole domain of repowering, it's, mm -hmm. it's not really defined yet. So we don't really find information out there existing. So mm -hmm. you don't really want to, you know, just crash a battery pack, just drop a battery pack and you know, just mess with your $30,000, $40,000. No, you want to simulate it first to see what will happen, what potentially will happen. So those kind of things, you know, we were able to, you know, address before they even happened. A lot of, you know, structural things, which will, and then a lot of, and cooling plates, we know like a, how will the modules react in what temperature. So we were able to predict, even though we are in Arizona, we were able to predict what will happen them in like Michigan or something, mm -hmm. you know, cold. So we were able to design for all the environments. We we don't really have to put them like it should be. Like and we are in a process of doing that, but we can show simulations which are like pretty good, so that we are able to you know put the product out in the market and not wait for actually you know testing and going through all these labs and everything. We were able to. That's where we were able to you know push the product out fast. And one of the other product or oh, projects which we did was the IR heater. So that was one mm -hmm. of a like. IPs which we have. I Good. think we have two IPs based on that project. And it's something which we, you know, we have we have on a pause right now because we ended up using some OE like heaters, but that is something which we are still, you know, on the back burner. We are still developing and thinking about it. But that is something which we use like a existing, you know, technology which was always used in like your houses and stuff, you mm -hmm. know, infrared mm -hmm. heaters and mm -hmm. thinking, hey, can we use it in like uh, EV, what, what will happen if you use that in EV. And just from the concept stage, we were able to successfully implement it and run like, I guess, four vehicles on our heaters within less than a year. And this was nice. all happened. And we were able to reduce its size by, I would say, like three times reduction in size. We were able to calculate how much flow we need, how much heat it will generate. Is it enough heat for heating cabins and the battery? So all that was done in less than a year. Uh, so that was that's where you know ANSYS fluent 
like really, really, really help us bring that product to the market. And it's now it's an IP which we can. That's that's a real good point because when you're replacing that diesel engine, say that was providing heat for the cabin, um, you get you got to replace that with an electric heat source as well as heat your batteries up. So yeah, really, I never think about that before. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Chris, any anything you've got that you can think of that's a good example out there? Yeah, I mean, Nitin touched on uh, mm-hmm. you know very good examples. Yeah, I mean, even with all the mechanical structures. Mm-hmm. Um, it just helps us speed up designing so much. Um, you know, like Nan was saying, you know, it it's expensive to do destructive testing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the more we can simulate that and you know keep it in the computers and and get good accurate representations of how our parts behave together and how they behave on the vehicle, also um, it helps us just design that much faster. Yeah, cool. I really excited to see. I've been excited to see the things you guys have done over the very short period of time. It's been been really really great to watch. And uh, whenever I get a chance to visit and see the different vehicles you're putting your systems into, um, and uh, we even had you guys come. I don't know if you made it, but we had you guys come out to one of our open houses with one of your vans that you retrofit and, uh, or I guess a repower is the term you use. Um, it was pretty cool to see that. Um, Doug, do you do you have any questions before we kind of wrap it up? Well, I was kind of curious, like about the the heaters. Like, was that an intent to have, you know, to develop, um, you know, additional IP, or was that was that more of a side effect of of that development process um, to try to find like a new way to provide heat and heat uh, versus using the standard? Um, I'm just kind of curious if if you know intellectual property was the side effect rather than the the, the goal there. So I, I would say like it was like an outcome. So it was like, so initially one of the, so I don't know if you know this, but EV industry struggles finding components, struggles mm-hmm. a lot. Supply chain is the worst in EV industry, mm-hmm. in every industry, but predominantly in EV industry. So mm-hmm. at that point of time, this, and even still, we have like three or four major like heater companies out there, like EV heaters, you know, high voltage mm-hmm. electric heater. So we were like, hey, like we don't want to be restricted by those companies or you know and gotcha. even those companies so we took a existing concept i wouldn't say we necessarily developed the concept of it mm-hmm. the concept has been there but it was never implemented in a dynamic or like a mm-hmm. vehicle application so this is the first time it was implemented in a vehicle application and obviously like we were able to reduce the number of parts so that whole heater i would say you know including everything had like 25 parts total, you know, including everything. So it was not a lot of like 25 individual parts, obviously. But like that's where, you know, we were able to control the supply chain or and that was a project which we wanted to pursue further and sell the product itself as well. Like not just put it in our vehicles, but to be able to sell that to other companies as well as a heater solution for EVs. Uh, okay. So that was a supply chain induced. Uh, creative <laughs> output. So, interesting. Uh, very cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, one of the last questions I like to ask is um, both your engineers. Any advice you would give to a new engineer getting into uh, simulation or or putting simulation into their process uh, for the first time? Yeah, like so. I've had this even like 
this company itself. So I'm like, I, I was a master's, but a lot of other engineers over here are like bachelors. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. from the same university, a lot of them mm -hmm. are from the same university, which I'm from. Mm -hmm. One thing is like the, I would say is like, trust science, like it really works. That's one mm -hmm. of the things, you know, like if you know how it works, if you know how to get it done, you know, like learn the basics of it, mm -hmm. like what's happening mm -hmm. in the system. If you really learn the basics, you would, you know, a lot of things starts making sense. And simulation world won't be like a scary world for you if you just know what's happening in the background. That's what, you know, scares them. Like a lot of these uh, like MOOC courses online mm -hmm. about a lot of these softwares, they start with those, you know, like Renault's like average needed stroke separation <laughs> and other stuff. Like, don't worry about this. You will learn this. You don't have to solve equations when you're solving, you know, simulations. You just have to know what it really does. You know, so a lot of these big, big equations in your computation is just like, I would say, like, don't get scared of those. It's a mm -hmm. very inviting world, I would say. And it's getting more and more and more user friendly. Like, even in the past three years, I've seen it grow from just being, you know, you have to input so many parameters on your own to now it kind of does a lot of it by itself. So it is getting a lot of like more user friendly and the terms are getting more and more into, you know, everybody is getting accustomed to the terms it uses. So that's just my advice is like learn the basics. Good, very good. Yeah, mine, mine uh, will echo that. Um, I, I would add to just, you know, get really good at your initial conditions because uh, sometimes problems seem more complicated than they need to be. And if you can break mm. them down effectively into, into the information that you're really after, um, as soon as you're good at that, a lot of the, the scariness of simulation, um, it goes away or it's negated. Um, but yeah, just getting really good at those initial conditions and actually answering the question that you need to answer. Um, if you can do those two things well, it's simulation is, is, your 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 friend. <laughs> yeah, cool. I, I totally agree with that. Um, Doug, any any closing thoughts uh, from you? No, no. I, I I forget. It's been a while since I've said this, but um, I feel like it's a lost art on how to create a simple model, mm -hmm. um, and, and, or you know, a representative model. I think you guys hit hit the, the nail on the head there. It's like you know, the, the first thing you should be doing isn't generating the mesh. It's it's asking what am I looking for out of this. Um, and so, yeah, it is in a scary world. Uh, you just have to, you know, be able to, to see the assumptions and what you can get out of, you know, a simple model. So, no, that's all I got. Pretty, pretty true. Pretty true. Well, I really want to thank you guys for joining me today and uh, in this very, very short discussion. Um, you can learn more, and I highly recommend everybody take a look at zevx.com, Z-E-V-X.com. There's a video that runs in the background. If you if you really haven't quite got your head around what they do, it's this amazing vid video that kind of shows the power plant uh, in, a, in a truck, um, uh, commercial truck, and it's, it's pretty pretty informative and then dig around and look a little bit more. And I highly recommend that if the company you work for has a fleet of commercial vehicles and they are looking to uh, decarbonize, to, to go electric, instead of going out and buying a bunch of brand new vehicles, which are really hard to find in the first place and very expensive if you can find them, um, take a look at, at doing this repowering with Savex technology. Um, and and you can you can tell your, your management that, well, it's, all been simulated with ANSYS, so you know it's going to work, right? 
So, <laughs> um, I, I, like I said, I can't say enough good things about the company. Keep your eyes out for them. Um, and, and it's not only just a great application of simulation, but they do a lot of other cool things there. So check it out. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Have a good rest of the week. Yeah, you too. Thank you. As you can tell, I'm a big fan. Uh, do check out their website. That's uh, zevx.com. And uh, help Ansys by letting your company know about their products because the more systems they sell to people like you, the more Ansys they will use and the more cool things they'll do with Ansys. So a little bit of a push for them. We really want them to succeed. They're an important part of our growing electric vehicle ecosystem here in Arizona. We don't really talk about it too much, but um, I'm on a couple committees with the Tech Council, Arizona Technology Council, and one of them is the electric vehicle and battery group. And um, we're just seeing a massive growth, L, uh, growth here. Uh, LG just announced a gigafactory or multi-gigafactory. I think that's our second gigafactory in the state. Um, we've got a couple of recycling plants coming in. We've got a lithium processing plant. Uh, and there's just a lot going on uh, on top of the electric vehicles with Lucid. Uh, Nikola is here in town, Electromechanica. Um, we've got a, a growing number of uh, electric vehicle and battery companies. And um, from Zoex is, is one of our favorite in that space. So hopefully we'll hear more about them as time goes by. So let's do our commercial. So for this month's commercial, I want to talk about mentoring. One of the ways that Zevex got up to speed so fast was to leverage PDT's mentoring service. So have you ever looked at your screen after hours of trying to figure out how to do something or fix something and say to yourself, if I could just get access to an expert to help me work my way through this, I'd get to the results so much faster. Well, that is exactly what PDT's ANSYS mentoring is all about. You get access to our team, of experts by the hour, and they can help you one-on-one -on -one whenever you want and whatever you need. We have been offering it for over 20 years, and our customers who take advantage of this service keep coming back for more. You do not have to be one of PDT's ANSYS customers. You don't have to buy ANSYS from us or located in the Southwest or even in the United States to take advantage of the service. So please reach out to us at info at PDTINC.com um, or our support area uh, email, which is swsupport at pdtinc.com, and ask about our mentoring services. Mentoring, it's the fastest and most cost-effective way to overcome any technical challenge you face in your ANSYS usage. So let's move on to news and such, and we'll start as usual with the ANSYS stock. And I'm recording this on Monday, March 27th. Um, it's uh, 6.30 at night here in Phoenix. And, and I'm hungry. Maybe that's why I'm fumbling over the word so much. But uh, anyway, it's uh, Monday night. And the stock closed at $316.94. So almost $317. That's the highest it's been since April of last year. Um, and it's a ways off from that all-time high of $406 a share. But it's inching its way up. I think it's about an eight to ten dollar increase since the last time we talked. Um, if I if we look at the last twelve months, it's up two point six percent from where it was a year ago. So it was down a little bit, then it went up in April, and then it went way down uh, over the the course of the year. Um, today, uh, the S and P is down twelve point six percent. So two point six percent increase for Ansys. 12.6 decrease for the S&P 500. So uh, ANSYS would have been a good investment over the last 12 months. 
as it has been for over several decades. But anyway, uh, it's good to see that. We'll keep our eye on it and see what the coming months bring. Uh, took a look at the ANSYS news out there. There's nothing new from ANSYS or PADT, for that matter, on the news front. So uh, nothing to report there. No press releases or anything from either of us. And um, what I do have is some cool articles I found on the ANSYS blog. So um, my three favorites since the last time we did the podcast episode. Um, the first is called Meeting AR VR Market Challenges Using Dynamic Link. So I've been very interested in AR, VR because I've been going to a couple of different uh, meetings here in Phoenix about how to apply augmented reality and virtual reality in a lot of different places. And one of the things we don't talk about enough because I'm a hardware guy is the hardware. Um, and it's really hard to make affordable, highly accurate hardware that's light, you know, the big thing that sits on your head. And uh, it's really about making the right sensor which is kind of on the nanoscale. So you use the tool from ANSYS called Lumerical to model that. And then on the macro scale, which is the basically the lenses and mirrors and all that stuff and half mirrors, which you use a ZMAX Optic Studio for that. And what uh, Dynamic Link is, is the tool that connects the two, Lumerical and Optic Studio. So this article kind of explains why it's important for AR, VR, and how people designing those kind of headsets are using Lumerical and Optic Studio and linking them together with Dynamic Link to uh, really design their systems before they get into you know prototyping because you can imagine making the sensor making the assembly it's quite expensive so check that out um, even if you're not an optics person i think it's uh, we're all going to be caring about uh, um, ar vr and and it's going to be working its way into a lot of different products so definitely check it out then um, the next article that i really liked is called ansys additive simulation joins forces with aconity 3d I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, to print defect three bike bottom lug components. So what what is the bottom bike bottom lug? It's that thing where the, the pedals go, the shaft of the pedals go through, and it connects all the rest of the frame to the rest of the bike. So it's kind of that one central part that's got a lot of stuff coming in and out of it. And it's perfect for 3D printing, right? In the past, it was a kind of welded tubes welded together, but now they're 3D printing that part. And it's really hard to 3D print correctly because of all the things that go on with thermal expansion and contraction during metal 3D printing. So ANSYS Additive was used to solve those problems. So it's a great real-world example of a complex part uh, used in production for a real-world product. Um, so definitely check that one out. And the last article I recommend um, is one of my favorite uh, series that they do, and we, we probably should go back to doing it. We haven't done this in a while here at PDT. But this is ANSYS Inc.'s pick for the top five features in ANSYS Mechanical 2023 R1. Uh, give it a view uh, and see what their support staff thinks of the favorites. And I kind of agree with them. There's some I would have picked that are different. Um, and there's some critical stuff in there that everybody needs to know about that can really change uh, the way you do things, especially some, I'll give a little hint, a little bit of geometry, associativity stuff. Um, but I don't want to have any spoilers. I want you to read it for yourself. So check that out. Top five features in ANSYS Mechanical 2023 R1. So those are my three picks. Uh, on the PADT blog, we we had one article. Uh, Cynthia did another ZMAX article called Using the Star Module in ANSYS ZMAX Optic Studio. And the Star Module is what connects um, your your um, ANSYS Mechanical to ZMAX. So it's kind of like that article about Lumerical and Optic Studio. Um, this is for Mechanical to Optic Studio. So it's called Star Module, and she kind of explains how to use it and get your thermal deflections into your optical model. 
So even if you're supplying that to somebody else, do check that out. Uh, there's two other blog articles that I want to point out on our blog. That they're not ANSYS related, but I think they're worth mentioning. The first is that uh, on 314, 2023 was Pi Day. And uh, if you've been following PADT for a while, you know we always like to celebrate Pi Day because it's an excuse to eat pie and do math, which are two things we generally like to do. So it's called Pi Day 314. It's still one of PADT's favorite nerd holidays. Um, you can check out pictures of the pies as well as a link to this year. I put our math quiz up. So if you want to see if you can get a perfect score like uh, Molly did here at PADT, who's one of our support or one of our uh, consulting engineers on the ANSYS side of things. Um, she did get all the questions right. It was a tough one this year. She was the only one that got them all right. Do check out the math quiz in that blog article. Pi Day is still one of PADT's favorite nerd holidays is what it's called. And then the, the other article that I'm going to point out is one that I wrote called Product Development Lessons Learned, Scope Change is Going to Happen. And this is applicable to simulation. I was really focused on design projects when I wrote this, but scope change happens with simulation projects as well. So it kind of explains what scope change is and more importantly, how to minimize it or even avoid it. And then when it does happen how to deal with it in a, in a great way. And um, it's, it's uh, been pretty popular, so check that out um, on our blog as well. That's pretty much it for articles. And let me bring up our events page on PADT's website and talk about what's coming up in the world of ANSYS. So this week, this will probably, these will, this, will, this event will have happened by the time this podcast gets published, but our Flonext team is at the 8th Thermal and Fluids Engineering Conference to talk about using Flonex for thermal fluid simulation. I mean, it couldn't be a better conference for us than that one. Um, and I think that's in Maryland is where, yeah, you know, it's at the University of Maryland. So that um, if hopefully you're at that and you ran into them. Um, we have a webinar coming up called Structural Updates in ANSYS 2023 R1 Composites, Fractures, and MAPDL in, uh, and Composites and Fractures in MAPDL. So this is the uh, ANSYS core and how to do composites and fractures in that tool. Um, so check, definitely check that out. And then on the twenty, on the thirteenth of April, so we're skipping ahead a month here, but this may uh, come out. We may not have another podcast before this comes out. Uh, we will be on the thirteenth at Venture Madness, which is a local event here in Phoenix with the startup community. It's kind of our big party every year for startups. And then one of my favorite conferences of the year is the Space Symposium. This is the thirty eighth annual Space Symposium at the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs, and uh, PADT will be in the ANSYS space, or not the ANSYS, the Arizona Space Industry Booth, which we are hosting with the Arizona Technology Council and the Arizona Commerce Authority. We'll be in that booth with uh, ASU, University of Arizona, as well as a handful of small and medium-sized companies that are there with us. And we love that event. If you are at the Space Symposium, please do stop by and say hi in mid-April. And um, that's what we have on the agenda for now. And I think that's what we have for our podcast. So I want to thank all of you from listening once again. Please don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter where you can learn more about PADT and the things that are going on and what our customers are doing and all that. And you can do that at www.padtinc.com slash opt-in. Do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, whatever your favorite podcasting tool is or, or application is, and spread the word, let other people know. And as always, don't hesitate to reach out.
Thank you for joining us for the All Things Answers podcast, episode 116. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with Ansys Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employer. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.